Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. We start off this 20 where Anakin is sitting on top of a perch looking down at the village of Tusken Raiders. Uh, he's very much like a stalking uh, animal, uh, stalking his prey. Uh, he sneaks down, he cuts a hole inside of a tent with his lightsaber uh, to reveal that his mother is kind of strung up and clearly tortured and barely alive. Uh, he uh, wakes up his mother. She takes a moment to kind of realize exactly what's going on because she has been uh, so uh, brutalized by the Tusken Raiders. She realizes it's, is, realizes it's Anakin, uh, and they have a kind of tender moment where she basically says, I can't believe how much you've grown. I'm so proud of you. You're handsome. And then uh, she says, uh, I'm now complete. She tries her hardest to tell him that she loves him. She's not able to get it out, and she dies in Anakin's arms. Exactly. Uh, we then see, obviously, some insane anger in Anakin. Uh, Anakin breaks free from the tent, and after closing his mother's eyes, he slaughters every one of the Tusken Raiders in the village. Uh, it's implied, at least, that that's exactly what happens, and then he later states it. But we then shift to Yoda, who is able to feel Anakin's pain through the Force, uh, and sees that Skywalker is... Uh, is truly, truly hurting. He tells that to Mace Windu. Help me with the Obi-Wan storyline. Has he yet been captured? No. So this starts off where Obi-Wan is with R4, uh, and they realize that they don't have their full ability to transmit back yeah. to Coruscant. So he's like, well, Naboo's close by, so we'll transmit there. Wait a minute. Can't find Anakin there. Let's broaden the range a little bit. Why the hell is Anakin on Tatooine? Let me send Anakin a message on Tatooine. So he sends them a message. Uh, Anakin is now back at uh, the farm where he's delivered Shmi's body, and they have uh, a fairly sad little memorial service where uh, afterward Anakin, in a fit of rage, of course, tells Padme that uh, not only did he slaughter all the Tusken Raiders, that now this has um, motivated him to become the most powerful uh, Jedi ever and to one day learn to stop death. Yeah, he basically, he says that he killed the men, the women, and the children. It really shows a ton of rage and anger in Anakin, but Padme stays there and comforts him. Uh, as they're kind of finishing up their funeral, R2 comes by and basically tells them that Obi-Wan has a message for them. Uh, they listen to the message from Obi-Wan and they realize that he's in trouble because as the message goes and plays, uh, Anakin then also connects it to Coruscant so that the Jedi Council is able to listen in. And at the very end of the message, they realize that Obi-Wan has become captured. Obi-Wan is now a prisoner on Geonosis. He gets a visit from Count Dooku, he, who he accuses of being a traitor. Uh, Dooku kind of feigns this, um, uh, this uh, uh, loyalty where he kind of implies that he's going to commute um, his release at once, just as long as uh, Obi-Wan promises to give him a hand with some things. Obi-Wan completely says no, and Dooku's like, all right, well, then this might take a little while. Yeah, and we cut back to there where Anakin and Padme uh, leave Tatooine uh, because Padme says, well, your job is to protect me, not to just stay on Tatooine. So just I'm going to go save Obi-Wan. That means you're coming too. You know, I have a really hard time recalling this 20, even though I've watched it twice today already. And the other day when you and I were having dinner, you had mentioned that this is going to be a particularly boring 20. It's and then I, th I thought watching it, well, this isn't really a boring 20. There's lots of important stuff happening. And now trying to think back to it, I guess it kind of was one. The problem is there are cool things that happen in this 20, but they don't take long. Yeah. And there are really large chunks of time 
where like the funeral didn't need to happen. We don't get a funeral for Han Solo. Don't give me one for fucking Shmi Skywalker. <laughs> Except that was a nice moment. No, it was a nice moment, and it was important to show that from Anakin's perspective. I mean, to be honest, I thought Hayden Christensen, as much as he gets shit, uh, and there was without a doubt a good chunk of this twenty where it was garbage acting. I thought there was really good points. I thought for the most part. He did a pretty good job in this 20 for acting. Honestly, what I'm learning... Given the from, dialogue he was given. What I'm learning from this viewing of Attack of the Clones is that I have a hard time faulting any one thing for this movie not being good. And in fact, I'm not exactly sure it's not good. I kind of think that we're a little bit too mm -hmm. hung up on what we think Star Wars ought to be. When Mark Hamill himself has said he had a lot of trouble trying to humanize some of George's dialogue. It doesn't make George a bad writer necessarily. It just is happens to be his writing style. Now, a good example would be a movie like The Princess Bride, which we understand is satire. A lot of those lines in The Princess Bride, had they been said by Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, you'd be like, oh, come on. Exactly. So it, some it of it is, is really, yeah. yeah, it's clunky, but it's the context of Star Wars. We have to stop thinking that it's Shakespeare and just understand that it's, it's uh, corny um, theater. Yeah, and the, the reason why we all loved Han Solo was because he took the approach of, I'll change my lines and I'll change my dialogue to just make it sound like a human, and George won't even notice. Right. But Mark Hamill, of course, would ask or would bring, like, oh, should I say it like this? And then George would be like, yeah, just have to script, Mark. Yeah, uh, well, and George, uh, Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford was also a grown man. Yeah. And then all these other main players are basically kids. Yeah. Natalie Portman and Caden Christensen mm -hmm. are doing their first big thing. So they have no, when you don't have a director that is going to outwardly empower the actors to make those kind of adjustments. Yeah. And George Lucas just isn't thinking that way. It's, right. It's not like he's like trying to stifle them. He just, that's not his main focus. And when it comes to the physical portrayal of Anakin, I mean, man, there are some, like the stalking that yes. he does. And just there's some serious menace that you see in his eyes and the, the power thirst in this 20. I mean, it's all there. And then if you just chalk up the fact of 19-year-olds are 19-year-olds. Yes, yes. Like they're either idealistic and naive like Luke or they're incredibly, incredibly dour and bratty and bratty and naive like Anakin. That's right. You get a really, really impactful shot of Natalie Portman when she's witnessing that mm. rage in him in the little workshop there back at the farm. And she really sees like, oh, this boy is dark. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really fabulous acting. Now, what I was going to say about George's dialogue is I think some evidence that he's not necessarily a bad dialogue writer is the Shmi Skywalker scene. Every mm -hmm. single thing she says is perfect. Oh, you look so handsome. My son. Oh, my grown-up son. I'm so proud of you, honey. I missed you. Now I am complete. That specific scene, everything about it is perfect. It's I so, thought the acting from both sides is excellent. Yes, it's so good. It's, it's just, deeply sad. Oh, it's just this hopeful look on Anakin's face of just like, please, no, 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 no. Yep. And it's it's you can see it's him, and then you have him questioning it after, like, why couldn't I have saved her? Well, that and you and can like, see it just in his eyes, like he's trying to figure out a way to like do anything, but he just he's got nothing to do. For anybody who questions, why does she happen to die then and there? It's in the it's in the dialogue. Dialogue. I am complete. Like, I've just been waiting to see your face again. 
and I can't hold on any longer. And the I love, I love, I love, she can't finish the I love you line. Let's unpack that a little bit. What does that symbolize for Anakin in like a, a greater metaphor that he can't, he can't, he comes close to receiving love, but he can't quite get there? I don't know. I think Anakin receives a lot of love. Okay. I think Anakin receives so much love. Yep. Uh, he was praised as being the most powerful Jedi of all time in his very young age as like a 20 year old yeah uh, it's not the love he wants though no but that's the thing it's i don't know he gets the love from padme that he wants he gets the love from shmi that he wants i think it's the fact that he's not able to keep it it's not the fact that he's he gets all of it and he gets the love he needs from obi-wan and from qui-gon and from palpatine and he he gets so much love and he just doesn't and, and that's what drives all of his decisions and then he destroys it. Yes. He just, he finds some way, like, ever, love drives all of his decisions, and it destroys everything for him. Right. Because even in the very end, it's what kind of brings him back, but it's what destroys his relationship with Palpatine. Yes. It destroys Vader. Uh, he's, his love for Luke destroys, so it's like, it's always kind of that snowball effect, whereas like one, like, he, he puts all of that love into into Shmi and, and Shmi and Padme, but really, for the most part, because he just ran into Padme, like for the last ten years since he was a little kid, he's missed his mom more than anything. Right, more than his love for Padme, he's missed his mom. Yes, and that is what he that is who he loved more than anything. And she dies. Well, it was and simpler with his mom too. Yeah. Like he loves Padme and he loves Obi Wan. But with these people, there's all these mechanics and there's all these politics and there's work to be done. Mm -hmm. Whereas with his mom, though it was a sad life being a slave, mm -hmm. it was just he and his mom. Yeah, and it, it's it's funny because I mean Padme's with him through all of that, and really it doesn't leave a whole like it really kind of narrows his his love. It puts all his eggs in one basket. Yes. And when he's got all of that and he's clearly just an unstable person, he just doesn't know what to do. And he loves Padme so much that he literally kills her. And <laughs> the other important thing that he says is back at the workshop when, well, it, actually Padme says, she's trying to calm him down. She says, you're not all powerful. And he says, well, I should be. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really good line. Yep. I mean, the next lines about one day I'll be the most powerful Jedi of all time. I'll even learn to stop people from dying are a little on the nose. Like, yeah. you know that, that he does want that. I think the line, well, I should be, says that in a more subtle way. Watch you to die. Why couldn't I save her? I know I could have. Sometimes there are things no one can fix. You're not all powerful. Well, I should be. Someday I will be. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I promise you. I will even learn to stop people from dying. I found that specific like speech was good at the start, bad in the middle, and finished okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there's the, the dialogue is a little all over the place. He really does point to a lot of the things that drive his character, though. Yes. And if you have an unstable, uh, immature person who is believing these things, and these beliefs are consistent with the Anakin that is Anakin start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in, it, it makes sense, and it goes to show you where like a lot of these criticisms, although people love Darth Vader and love Anakin, and they still criticize these stories that were told, 
They make sense. They make complete sense. Yep. They're just not the right point in time. If you're going to highlight um, Anakin's life, this was the wrong point in time, George. Kind of. And you should have gone out of your way to actively make sure that Anakin was 14. But that was that, <laughs> that's the Phantom Menace issue. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the other thing, I'd go another step further, like another one of the most mocked lines is they're like animals and I slaughtered them like animals. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children too. They're like animals and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. It's a good line. I think it's good, man, and I think he nails it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little, it's a little melodramatic. It is, of course, but like, and not just the men, but the women yeah. and the children. It even verges, which is, and he gets a little disgusted with himself, kind of, for even going there. But you also get a little bit of a twisted delight on his face. Yes, like it, I think Hayden Christensen does a really good job, particularly delivering that part of it as well. Well, and it's also uh, got duality because to say they're animals and I slaughter them like animals, and then to also say the women and children too. Oh, that's a good point. Those are kind of conflicting ideas that because is the women and children implies that there is a society among them, and mm -hmm. so that's brutality. That's not just rage. Yeah. No. That, that's kind of an interesting way of thinking of it because it's, yeah, he was angry, but he did understand the difference as much as they are kind of animals. It's, it's really interesting, the dynamic between Anakin and the Tusken Raiders. Yes. Uh, because he becomes a legend. He is the great legend. He is the demon of the desert. He's the Kaiser Soze of, of Tusken Raiders? Oh, he, he's the demon of the desert. Wow. Like they create like statues of him. He is to fear him. They're terrified of him. Yeah. And Vader comes back actually. It takes place between episode four and five. I think they did it in a comic. And Vader comes back and just slaughters another village. Just wails on a bunch of them. Just he just comes back and yeah. just slaughters another village. And they resurrect a statue to ward him off so that he'll never return. Because he's passionate or just for something to do? Uh, I forget the specific context. Uh, I believe it was in his search for Luke. Yeah. And I think he realizes that he was close and uh, some Tusken Raiders or something. They came across him at the wrong time mm. in his search for Luke. And he's got a history there that he's got no problem. If he's searching for someone in his family and some Tusken Raiders are around. Yeah. Might trigger something. Yeah, I'll take a detour to make sure those guys go down. Yeah, just just because you know what? I'm just feeling like killing them. For the sake of full circle, it's kind of sad that Darth Vader doesn't die on Tatooine. It's If they could have kind of harangued that, if they could have found a way to bring him back there in Return of the Jedi, it might have been a good full circle moment. That's why Kylo Ren will die on Tatooine. Well said. Wow, interesting. Mm -hmm. As the next Darth Vader or as a hero? As a hero. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see I don't see how that movie's ending ending another way, to be honest. Yeah, he's gonna die a hero. No, I don't think he's gonna die a hero. I shouldn't say that. I, I think he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. Okay. The Skywalkers will will go out with a roar. 
And I think that's the reason why they're making this the end of the Skywalker saga. Right, but it seems like a bummer to end on a sour note. Yeah, but it's not going to be a sour note. It's going to be a redeeming note for the entire galaxy. It will bring balance to the Force the way the Skywalkers always were supposed to. Ben Solo will fully understand... Um, like who knows They're, they'll find some way to also keep it going but I think calling this the last part of the Skywalker saga I think they need to kill him yeah you're probably it's, right it, it's, it leaves the door too open mm-hmm. and you can continue on with these characters and you can do more because they have it's part of this saga now but I think you have to kill Ben Solo now the last piece of uh, of the slaughtering of the Tusken Raiders yeah. is when we cut to Yoda and he's having uh, a very um, unsettling force vision of the distress of Annie. He says he sees death and young Skywalker is in terrible, terrible pain. We hear two things that I, uh, one I'm sure of and I want to question. The other I'm not sure of and I want to question. One is the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes. Anakin! Anakin! No! Who shows Anakin. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, because he's telling him, don't do it. Okay, so that's the ghost of, of Qui-Gon warning yes. Anakin. Yep. All right. Hey, he's specific. He's come to Anakin on a few occasions. All right. Uh, then, um, I think there was an, there's another instance uh, outside of Mortis. Um, he connects with uh, Qui-Gon and Mortis. I, I think so. Or maybe that was, uh, it may have been a vision of sorts where someone was like using the force to trick him or something. I don't, yep. I don't quite remember. Um, but yeah, Qui-Gon is, is, has communed with Anakin on a couple occasions. And- the other thing I hear is a no, is a garbled, impassioned no. And it kind of sounds like Anakin, weirdly from Revenge of the Sith. No! There's no chance that's a, a little clip of the future we're hearing, is it? No, it's supposed to be Qui-Gon. It's all supposed to be Qui-Gon. Really? Yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't sound like Qui-Gon at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't sound like something you would say. It sounds like two different people, but... While we're on the subject of Qui-Gon, he gets brought up a little bit later in the meeting between uh, Count Dooku and Obi-Wan. Mm, this is interesting. It's really interesting. It's so a lot you can unpack. So we know that Qui-Gon was a Padawan to Count Dooku? Correct. Um, and they have a kind of mo- a weird moment. Uh, Obi-Wan's not giving him nothing. But, oh, nothing. But Dooku wants to try and appeal to obi-wan's emotional side so he brings up qui-gon and he's like oh it's a pity that it's a pity what happened to qui-gon it's too bad we didn't know each other sooner and then dooku says qui-gon always spoke very highly of you i wish he were still alive i could use his help right now and what is exact what exactly is he talking about uh he's Talking about really the like Qui Gon and Dooku are pretty similar. I know, and, and there and is a lot to say that Qui Gon would have joined. That's Dooku. that's my next question. Was is it good that Qui Gon died when he did? Yes, Be- I think so too. Because just the fact that he defied the Council by insisting that Anakin is 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 got to be brought into the fold shows that he has a weakness for what he thinks is right but is wrong. The, yeah, exactly. The the interesting thing I see on it is. Um, there's so many ways you can unpack. I believe that if Qui-Gon had trained Anakin, in mm-hmm. theory, he wouldn't have gone to the dark side. Anakin wouldn't have. I do, I do believe that if he okay. had remained because he wouldn't have needed to seek a father figure in Sidious. Right, and it wouldn't have been so rigid. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it would have provided the perfect balance for him to be able to grow. Yeah. However, under those circumstances, had Qui-Gon survived, if Qui-Gon 
became influenced by Dooku and Sidious working together, mm-hmm. then in theory, Dooku, Sidious, Qui-Gon, and Anakin is a powerhouse foursome of force users who could have just decimated the Republic yeah. <laughs> in an instant. Right. Uh, also, more importantly, they would have been able to potentially, if Dooku had someone like Qui-Gon to keep him like somewhat on the straight and narrow and not... Yeah, I know you're mad at the Jedi, but you don't need to go that far and become a Sith, you lunatic. Yes. Potentially, you could have Dooku, Anakin, and Qui-Gon, who could have maybe separated off into their own sort of, like, renegade faction Mm -hmm. and been rebel Jedis. Yeah. And, in theory, could have been the actual way the Force should have been executed and and really could have become all powerful in an interesting kind of way it could, there's so many other ways in which things could have happened that it's amazing had darth maul just not been there and how differently things could have unfolded star wars is just a very long visual essay arguing against the two-party system of politics it's just well, it's george, just so flawed well george lucas sees it as it's just a series of decisions between selfishness and selflessness that's right and so it, it can really boil down to that and dooku he Thought the Jedi were being self selfish, but at the same time, then chose the selfish route for his departure from them. Now, speaking of Anakin uh, turning to the dark side, and we mentioned the look on Padme's face when she saw that rage in him for the first time in that scene with Yoda, where he's meditating, and and is it Mace Windu comes in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but you hear a little bit of the Imperial March. Pain, suffering, death. You hear a little Imperial March, and to me, that's almost like Yoda hearing, in some kind of indirect way, witnessing the early birth of Darth Vader. Yeah, well, that's very much what this is. Yeah. That's very much what it's supposed to be. And Yoda... This is the the, the conception, I guess, of Darth Vader. You see it a bit through Clone Wars. uh, Yoda becomes very aware of Anakin. It's happening. Uh, But Well, not so much of it's happening, but of the potential for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, and that's the thing, Anakin remains so good until the end. Right. And that's why it's always this looming potential of a breaking point. And it's the same thing you can kind of see, whereas like, who knows? A lot of people forget that uh, The Force Awakens is kind of just picking up after Revenge of the Sith with new characters. Yeah. Kylo Ren, newly becoming this enforcing Force user in a mask, who takes on the galaxy after previously being the Padawan to the golden boy of True. all Jedi. There, there's parallels, but Kylo Ren is very different from from the newly minted Darth Vader, who at that point was not clumsy anymore and not, uh, not um, whiny anymore. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. He wasn't driven by this need to be somebody. He fucking made himself that somebody. Yeah. And he wasn't worried about it anymore. Yep, yeah, and, and it's absolutely not the exact same story, but it's interesting to see kind of their arcs in, I guess, villainous development. You're right. Uh, and how the Anakin that we see, I mean, he, he's not, he's good, but he's not far removed. It's that kind of like that tipping point. And yes. we see the tipping point in Revenge of the Sith with just the constant fear about Padme dying. But I it really is wondering, like, was that 
moment with Luke in The Last Jedi, like, the only tipping point for Kylo Ren? Was that, like, the one thing that really sent him over the edge? Or was there no. a, another point before that yeah, that was, story. like, a really, like, really deep point? Because, yes, obviously, he was always kind of flirting in the edges, and clearly Snoke was supposed to be the Palpatine in his ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exact same way as um, Palpatine was for Anakin. Yeah. But I, it's, I'm curious to know what other story was there because this is an interesting story that we're getting here and I'm sure it parallels to Kylo Ren yeah. that we just don't know yet. There's another early sign of Anakin going quite evil in this 20 and it's very dark and it's very subtle. And it's in that uh, he receives a transmission uh, from, or I guess he's talking face to face with Mace Windu and and uh, the people on Coruscant, and he's very obedient suddenly. And it's Padme who wants to break orders and go to Geonosis, and Anakin's like, no, we're going to stay here. And how often does Anakin want to stay put? Never. <laughs> but he's willing to do it because he's super mad at Obi-Wan. He doesn't really feel all that driven to go rescue Obi-Wan. He doesn't even have a lot of faith that Obi-Wan's alive, and he's not interested in going to sea. I disagree and, on that, actually. He says, if he's alive... Yeah, if he's alive, but then he also argues and says he's like a father to me. So he he admits like, yeah, of course I want to go help him, but we're not supposed to. Yeah, but it's weird that he would choose now to listen to to Mace Windu. He had just finished saying I, it's all Obi Wan's fault. It, he does it. This is I forget go, exactly what he says. I think it goes down to that thing about Anakin's love again. Is that it's Shmi and Padme? Yeah, only. And as much as he loves Obi Wan in theory, He's and Obi Wan is, is like a father to him, yeah, like you would think that that be is like that's a key key person in your life. It doesn't matter. Okay, Padme and Shmi. Now there's no more Shmi, so it's just Padme, uh, and his goal is to protect her. So when Mace Windu says that, that's a reasonable order. Yeah, and he was it killed him the notion to leave Naboo and take uh, Padme to Tatooine. Yeah, but the second she suggests that they leave. And it's no longer on him. Yeah. He gets so giddy. He is so proud that like, oh man, this is this is my girl. She just broke the rules. This is so up my alley. That's true. And he also has a good line. He says, don't worry, I've given up trying to argue with you. Yeah. So I, I see it kind of as just kind of that allegiance of, yeah, Anakin is obedient in certain circumstances, but the times in which he's not obedient are for his own arrogance or for like the real disobedience they all come back to Padme or Shmi. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. The real like strong disobedience it comes back to those things. Okay. I th- I think that's the way I, I kind of Now kind of jumping back and forth a little bit back to the the meeting between uh Dooku and Obi-Wan which overall I think just was one of the winners of the 20s. Like yeah, it his voice is. is so cool and like I mean he uh, he tells him the whole fucking <laughs> He kind of does. He Batman villains him. He kind of does, except if Obi-Wan doesn't strictly know that Count Dooku has gone to the dark side, quote unquote, why is he so anti-Dooku? He knows there's something not to trust here, but he's overtly calling him a traitor. He says, Qui-Gon never would have joined you. He says, I will never join you. What specifically is he so offended by? Because the Jedi have aligned themselves completely with the Republic. Okay. They have abandoned their following of the the will of the force to follow the will of the republic and dooku is the leader of the separatists yes which directly oppose the republic right so he is 
but he's, he's the Hitler to the Winston Churchill of Yoda. Yes, except for that he hints at another Hitler who should be a bigger priority. Now, what we don't know at this point is that Count Dooku is hanging with Lord Sidious. Exactly. But he does say, look, our political differences aside, we should both be on this guy. And if you just take that at face value, it's true. That information does become passed to the Jedi Council, though. Okay. They do know that there is someone of high power influencing... Uh, like the, the Sith have influence in the government. They understand yes. that. They don't believe it's Palpatine. Um, they, no, but he kind of almost tells him it's Palpatine. He says there is a there is a Sith Lord who is influencing hundreds of senators. Yep. Who else could that be? Well, I mean, I, I think I maybe mentioned this uh, last week with Masamita. Yeah. Uh, and someone like that, for example. Somebody, it, there are a lot of influential people in the Republic government. Okay. It, just so happened to be the most influential person. Right. I mean, if you say, oh, there's a mole in the Canadian government. Oh, Justin Trudeau's a mole? <laughs> you're, not a, you're not necessarily going to go to that. So okay. yeah, I, I think it was, it was interesting in that he was willing to put his cards on the table. It, it takes them a while to realize that Tyrannus and Dooku are the same people. Yes. Uh, even though they realize that Dooku decides to like whip out a red lightsaber after being a Jedi. And like clearly he just made a new lightsaber and now it's red. <laughs> that like, should be a, a big red flag, so to speak. It really should be because, <laughs> I mean, you knew he was a Jedi for like decades and decades. He's got some practice with his blue lightsaber probably. Yeah. But all of a sudden, it's red now. Mm. And there's this mysterious Tyrannus and Sidious, and there's no chance Dooku's one of them. <laughs> no chance. Now, that leads us quite nicely to the other insane thing that happens in this 20, which is the appointment of Chancellor Palpatine oh, fuck. to dictator, uh -huh. I, I guess. And it's Jar Jar leading the charge, which is like the ultimate take back. It is. <laughs> in response to this direct threat to the Republic, Misa proposed that the Senate give immediately emergency powers to the Supreme Chancellor. You would never give ultimate dictatorial power to a single politician temporarily for the sake of one war. That would never work. No, it wouldn't. But that's what's happening, right? That is exactly what's happening. And you see some aliens in the crowd kind of thumping their fists like they're angry and another group of them are like, yeah, let's do it. And I guess that's kind of uh, reflective of what's happening in the world. But... I think there's actually a perfect, like, there's a really subtle line that's given by Palpatine. And in my opinion, it's probably the, it could be, you can interpret it as easily being the best line of the 20. Okay. And when he rises with just his look of anguish on his face. Yes. I love democracy. I love democracy. It is with great reluctance that I have agreed to this calling. I love democracy. I love the Republic. The power you give me, I will lay down when this crisis has abated. It is a chilling line, isn't because it? Because all it means is, all I had to do is count the votes until I had you guys. Yeah. And yeah. I do now. I played you. And then I just got literally the dumbest. I got the one person who could convince you otherwise to go home. Right. And replace with the dumbest person in the, the dumbest creature in the galaxy. And that just got me the votes. Yeah. He just, I didn't even have to propose it. Right. I love democracy. Yeah. It is chilling, isn't it? And I, again, reflective of what's happening in Western society. It in really, it really is. But yeah, yeah it, it shows that like it's all, everything is just orchestrated by Palpatine. Yep. Everything. It is. 
Man, what an amazing character is Chief Palpatine. I know. It's incredible. He's so, so good. And I want him back so much for episode nine. Oh, yeah. That would be crazy. Any way, shape, or form, as long as it's Ian McDermott. How's he doing? Is he retired? Is he... He actually, he's shown, uh, he's been consistently a part of the Star Wars world. That's uh, nice. He's shown up at celebrations and Comic-Cons and such. But he must be uh, 80. Yeah, he looks he looks old. Yeah. Uh, but That's fine. <laughs> he looks uh, and he looks thin. But he's like he's sharp as a tack. He's Good. still like eloquently spoken. Uh, and uh, no, I think he would. I think he would still absolutely kill it as Sheev Palpatine. Yes. I uh, and even if even if they had to de-age him because they needed to make him young, he could pull off the acting sure. job that it wouldn't even be a problem. I'm sure you're right. Uh, but really, the we the only way we're going to get him would be in a flashback of the Emperor, I would imagine, and that's not a problem, or of a hologram that's lost of the Emperor or a holocron. Exactly. Uh, so I think any of those, and those are all really easy things to be able to put him into, and won't miss a beat for an age look. Let's do some trivia. Sure. All right. I found it really hard to find questions for this one. I agree. I don't think you'll have a hard time with any of my questions. How many gravestones are there on the moisture farm? Three. Yeah. And who are those other two stones? Uh, I don't know. There's two, like... Uh, probably Kalig's uh, first wife. Two big ones. So probably his two wives. Yeah. Because uh, clearly one of the big ones is, is Shmi. And then there's a small one like it was a kid or a pet or something. Yeah. Maybe they did have a pet. Or maybe Anakin has another brother. Ah, uh, who died. Ah, there is another. There is always and always two there are. Oh. <laughs> a living and no, a dead. There is another. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Congratulations. There are three including Shmi's. Yeah, it's it's Craig Skywalker. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I wonder if those are still there. In Luke's day, obviously we don't see them. No. That would be crazy if that they... That would be so fucking That would be cool. so cool if they turned up in the background. And you're like, what? Oh, that would oh be amazing. God. And I, I really love those things when you add uh, a lot more context to something that... Was meant nothing at the time. Just meant nothing before. Yeah. Like, things... It, yeah, things can mean nothing. That's fine. But there is nothing wrong with adding backstory to something. Like, like some people think it's like a little hokey. Just don't do it too much. Don't do it too much. But, like, from a certain point of view, that book is... Excellent. For anyone who doesn't like want to read Star Wars books at all, has no interest in reading the novels, yep. but is a Star Wars fan, would love from a certain point of view. Well, a good example of what we're talking about is the little chain of dice that... Uh, exactly. Like, they're just... They're nothing in Star Wars, and then suddenly they're in episodes uh, mm -hmm. eight and, and solo, yeah. and I'm, they have a lot of meaning. And it, I really think they miss the... Like, there's a scene that they got from The Force Awakens where Adam Driver's in the Falcon. Yeah. And it's, in my opinion, like, because of the importance that they played on those in eight and in Solo, uh, I think it was Ryan Johnson should have begged J.J. to keep that one in there. Oh, yeah. Because it would have added it a lot more. Right. Yeah. Okay, give me your Padawan question. Uh, Padawan question. Who does Obi-Wan report is behind the assassination attempts on Queen Amidala? Uh, not... Django Fett? Nope. No? I don't I don't know who is it. New Gunray. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Okay. All right. Night question. How far away from Tatooine is Geonosis? Uh, I think it's less than a parsec, isn't it? Less than a parsec. Yeah. That's all we know. And that seems pretty small yeah. of a distance. Is that very... It can't be very far. Well, I mean, in Star Wars world, mm -hmm. uh, it can't be... I'm, I'm not really sure the actual distance of a parsec or what the context would be in the Star Wars world. Right. And they're both like sand-based planets. They're both very hot, it would seem. Mm -hmm. So they probably have similar climates in their distance from the sun. Yep. Okay. 
Uh, name one of the groups who has pledged their allegiance to the separatists. I don't know. I don't know any of these. I don't know. What is it? Okay. Well, it's like uh, the Commerce Guild or the Banking Guild. Or I the, don't remember them saying any of those the, words. The Corporate Alliance. That sounds terrible. That's I know. why they're I so, did. They're so generic. Yeah. That's why I didn't remember any of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is the name of the dog-like species at the Tuscan Raiders camp? I don't know. It's called a massif. And they're real gross. <laughs> they are. They're really disgusting. And they're like little canines. Yeah. No, I actually, I thought of that on my drive over here today. I was like, I don't know what those things are called. No, that's going to be a question. It is. <laughs> and apparently they are also on Geonosis. They're on Tatooine and Geonosis. Okay, that's cool. Are there Tuscan Raiders on, on Geonosis? Are they anywhere else? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. No. Uh, they're very tribal, I, I, right? I, I don't, I am pretty confident they're not on Geonosis. I don't know if they're anywhere else. Do they have a, spe a species name? Because Tusken Raider is clearly a tribal slang term. Um, we can't say sand people. No, I think Tusken Raider is probably the, the... I mean, it probably is, but I'm saying that's that's silly. They should have like a more genus-based name. Don't you agree? Uh, Just Tuscans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's a person from Tuscany, Italy, on Earth. Yeah, but it's spelled totally different. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> master question for me. Uh, master question. Uh, this is one that you might be able to get. Um, what is Obi Wan held in while being questioned by Dooku? I don't know, but it's cool. It's this like uh, this like energy field. It's kind of uh, you got fifty percent of it <laughs> suspending him uh, in I don't know a suspension field, containment field. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. He's just kind of floating there. Um, they used him a handful of times in Clone Wars, too. Yeah, yeah. pretty neat. Let's yeah, do some, some cool quotes. Look. We had actually had lots of good quotes. I didn't even write them all down, but we've, we've gone over some of them already. Uh, I think a really excellent, although it was a throwaway line, an excellent 3PO quote. I'm not worried, R2. It's just I've never flown before. Before they board Padme's ship. But a question on that. Why does Anakin get to take 3PO? Who belongs to the farm? Mm -hmm. They need him way more on Tatooine than Anakin needs him, just because he built him as a child. He decided he's going to take him with him. <laughs> it's like a really bitter breakup, and he decided, you know what? I want my shirt back. Yeah. No, I, I want my, my Roomba back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I want my microwave back. Oh, yeah, you, you bought my mom, and she came with a droid? Yeah. Yeah, well, droid no longer included. <laughs> No mom, no droid. That's right. This Peace. is my refund policy. That's right. <laughs> I'm a repo him. Now you don't have a wife, you don't have a droid, you don't have a leg. <laughs> Jeez. Enjoy old age, Klieg Lars. <laughs> he clearly didn't. What happens to Klieg Lars? Uh, you know, his, his kids die in a fire. No, I know what happens to his, <laughs> his son and daughter-in-law, but... He uh, probably dies of an old age. He's, he probably doesn't last much longer. I, I know. He's, he dies between two movies, right? He dies before Revenge of the Sith, or at least it's implied he's not around anymore when Owen takes yeah. uh, Luke as a baby. Yeah, I would imagine he dies between the next two movies. I don't know for sure, but that yeah. would be my guess. Another gravestone. There you go. And then apparently they just decided to just knock them all down. Too much for Luke to look at. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, any other quotes? Anything that stands out to you as particularly good? Um, there wasn't really a whole lot. I mean, that long speech from Anakin is a very important uh, kind of chunk of dialogue. Um, there's also Yoda's line, the yep. pain, suffering, death, I feel. Something terrible has happened. Young Skywalker's in pain. Terrible pain. Another thing we didn't talk about that's pretty good writing is uh, 
when we come back to the workshop post memorial service uh, and Anakin's just kind of tinkering, like he seems drawn into this place where, it, and he, he overtly, sa- he says the shifter broke. Life seems so much simpler when you're fixing things. I'm good at fixing things. Yeah. Uh, that was what I mean by like the scene starts out really well. It's yeah. just like, it's re it's realistic when you're grieving and you do something to take your mind off of it. Something that brings you comfort. But then he, he says, I couldn't fix this. Or he, he kind of is heading in that, conversational direction like this is not what i'm good at this emotions thing yeah well exactly he he couldn't save her and that's what drives him nuts is because he's failed on something and he feels that that's a requirement because his mom sent him off to be a a good jedi a powerful jedi and that's his expectation and then he feels like someone's disappointing her by coming back to to just watch her die yeah yep i agree that's kind of all I have for for big takeaways from this from this twenty. I thought it was fine, but it was it was not that cinematic. It was kind of theatrical. It was a little expository, and those things are necessary. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of exposition in this yeah. twenty. Uh, but it, it goes to show you that like this would budget wise, this is a super cheap twenty. Yeah, it kind of is. It's a really really cheap twenty. So it shows you what you can make you what you can do with Star Wars. It's also uh, pretty PG thirteen. Like it, yeah. the, the beheading of Tuscan Raiders. Also, Shmi dying is kind of gruesome. Like her head goes back and her eyes are still open. Yeah, it's a it's a gnarlier death than you normally see from a good guy in Star Wars. Oh, definitely. And that's the thing. Anakin's not the good guy, and that's what you have to try and remember. But at the same time. I'm talking about Shmi. Oh, sorry. And she, and she is virtuous. I, I thought I thought you meant in terms of a death provided by a good guy. Right. Yes. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, generally you're not going to see so much gruesome behavior. Although Mace Windu slices Jango Fett's head off. That's true. That is There's not a very... a couple beheadings. It's not noble. You're right. Yeah. yeah that's wild. Mace Windu is just not noble he's a dick you're right i kind of think i kind of think that's overlooked because everybody likes samuel l jackson and mm-hmm. because mace windu has the purple lightsaber i think if anybody else played him you'd be like ah, screw this guy yeah he'd be like the dolores umbridge of <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah. whoa what careful with, let how you leave the hp references up to me Bob? i don't know <laughs> harry potter well yeah <laughs> however i will say someone with just their nose too uh, fucking up in the air to actually know what was going on uh, I guess I didn't watch enough Harry Potter. I probably, <laughs> I, prob- I probably just. She is people. the most lo- most loathed character. I know that's why I went there, but yeah. maybe Jar Jar level comparison. All right, fair enough. Especially if Jar Jar's evil. Yeah, well, she might we've just already be... proved he's just he's a fucking idiot. Do you look for a look of menace when he's so like, it, so giddily giving Palpatine that power? Are Not you looking in his he's eyes? So clearly, the scene before it is so clearly Palpatine spoon feeding it to him. Yeah, like him tricking him. You're right. Uh, best moment? Uh, the kind of winner of the 20? Do you have a conversation with Dooku or... Um... Actually, I think it's Shmi. I think... Yeah, that's what I have. She kills it. I was really happy to hear that little John Williams thing in the Yoda scene. That made me happy. I, I like the praying and then the Shmi scene too as well. Like just that quick drop down from Anakin. Shmi, honestly, in her two or three scenes in the whole series, she kills that character. Yeah, she's excellent. She's really good. Yeah. And... Uh... She was definitely great with Liam Neeson as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they were, yeah. They were quite a duo. Anything else? Um, uh, take backs. Uh, there's some bad Yoda CG. Um, there's a really, really bad backdrop for Obi-Wan when he's on Geonosis yes. and sending Anakin a hologram. Yes, there is. It's awful. Yep. Uh, a couple of f- fake beard Obi-Wans in this 20 as oh, well. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Obi Wan looks very corny in this movie. It just really looks really lame. Yeah, both him and Anakin look super corny. Yeah, it has not aged well in nope. that regard. Nope. But you could also say that a lot of the hairstyles from the original trilogy haven't aged all that well. But <laughs> really, just Luke. I mean, obviously, like the buns. For the yeah. Princess Leia stuff. <laughs> but yeah, but like those movies are yeah. are untouchable. That's the thing. This is Star Wars. And at some point, to a degree, the prequels will have a level of untouchability. I think I think so, except for that we're more inclined to criticize these movies. Yes, but... But when I look at Back to the Future, I don't see a kid from the 80s. I just see Marty McFly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's like that. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, yeah, I guess just kind of uh, the rest of the Star Wars world. Okay, what's going on? Uh, not too, too much. Uh, nothing in the kind of TV world. Uh, when it comes to the movies, uh, okay, episode nine, uh, they've been filming in Jordan. Uh, they just, I think, finished up in Jordan. It was confirmed that uh, Ray, Finn, Poe, Chewie, and 3PO will all have some form of, uh, I guess, appearance on the, the desert planet chosen for Jordan, whether that's Tatooine or Geonosis or Jakku or um, Jeddah, yep. most likely Jakku or Tatooine. Yeah. Um, I think most likely Jakku, Hope, Tatooine. Never going to be Geonosis. No, not a chance in hell. No. Uh, but I would I would think it would be very cool if it could be Tatooine and it could be kind of the, the final planet to add it on. That would be awesome. It would that, be important. That would, that yeah. would be nice. Um, also, um, this, did I say that the set was guarded by the army? No, cool. Yeah, so the Jordan army had to guard the set for wow. privacy purposes. <laughs> uh, and then some rumors. So if you're uh, not a fan of rumors, you may want to tune this out because okay. there could be some spoilers. But it is believed that uh, Naomi Aki, uh, the character she was playing, was supposed to be a character who was very polarizing. They were looking for an ethnic actress, somebody who could be really engaging and just someone who really... Like, Stood off the page, somebody yeah. uh, with a lot of charisma and character, which makes a lot of sense for Lando's daughter. Ooh. And so there's a very good potential that Vera Calrissian uh, could be Naomi Aki's character. That would be so cool. Why Vera? It's just the name that's being floated out there. It okay. was a Reddit leak. It's kind of a Star Wars sounding name. It definitely fits. I'm into that. Yeah. And I really like that. I think that's great. Bringing in like another generational one but one that you don't need to be too overt about you waited until the third movie which is kind of nice yep uh you can add a little bit of star wars romance in there as well probably sure extend things on keep some of those original trilogy bloodlines alive you need to keep some of them alive yeah um plus wouldn't it be wouldn't it be hot if a, a solo and a calrissian hooked up i don't think that's gonna happen come on it's been coming since the 80s <laughs> <laughs> the, the original bromance that's right yeah although a kind of a tense one yeah i'd yeah. say so in a few instances that's probably right um uh also there is some potential and some rumors that padme may also be in episode nine wild now these are like both of these rumors like completely just rumors yeah one of them comes from reddit and yeah. one of them, I don't even know where the hell it comes Just from. Just take them with the a pad, Yeah, the Padme ones come from a few different places, I Sometimes think. they come from wishful thinking. Sometimes yeah. they just come from no evidence, just this would be cool. Well, I think that's what happens sometimes. The the uh, the Vera Calrissian one is actually, it's a fairly, it's a fairly detailed Reddit leaker. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not substantiated at all, but it's a very good lie if it's, if it's anything other than somebody who just works for Lucasfilm and is kind of a tool. Yeah. Um, but uh, Padme uh, it could come in the capacity of a flashback, 
uh, World Between Worlds that was done through Rebels, where you're able to kind of see through uh, different portals in time, uh, any sort of capacity along those lines, referencing back to kind of bringing all the movies for so full circle. Yep. Could be kind of cool. I don't think this one stands a chance in hell of being really true. Right. Uh, I think uh, The Emperor sounds like a more reasonable character. I think that make uh, same with Anakin though. I mean, Anakin makes more sense than Padme. Just, this doesn't make sense to me. I think this is, I think this is a complete reach. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, there, there's a slim chance that maybe because uh, Leia won't be as versatile in this movie as we maybe would have wanted. Right. That that may be a necessary role to fill. Uh, kind of that female Skywalker presence. Yeah. Uh, unless we find out Rey is a Skywalker. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Fuck, I hope not. You know what's crazy is it's almost December, right? It's going to be December on Friday. Mm -hmm. And this is the first December in a number of years we don't have a Star Wars movie to look forward to. Like, it's almost... In two weeks, we'd be going to yeah. the next Star Wars movie. Granted, it would be solo, but we'd be going to the next Star Wars movie if they hadn't freaking jerked up their little... Stupid Little schedules. pattern, yeah. Ugh, I know, it's so frustrating. Yeah. A um, couple other things. Uh, so a, a photo leaked of Robert Bolter... Uh, an actor playing young Luke Skywalker from The Force Awakens. Uh, scenes were shot of a young Luke Skywalker uh, in his fight with Vader on Cloud City. Oh. Uh, so for Rey's uh, Force Vision, they had shot additional shots of Luke on Cloud City fighting Vader if they needed additional perspectives for the Force Vision. And so they didn't end up using those shots, but they wanted to have different angles of Luke and Vader, and they needed new footage for that uh, it would she just be flashing back to that because that is in the history of the graflex yes yeah not for any uh well, bloodline reasons well, no but it's part of the force vision is that scene yes uh but it just would have been well yeah but at the the force vision was supposed to be a, quite a bit longer wait a second what are you talking about the force vision where she sees the knights of ren or where she yeah. just gets like the when is there cloud city stuff in that force vision she starts out in cloud city all right I mean, you're saying this like it's all common knowledge. Like no, no, it's no, all like, just kind of a blur. Yeah, but no, the when she first touches it, like she's in a she's in the hallway in Cloud City. Okay. And Again, they, like it's just a split second. I don't know it, if everybody knows that. Okay, well, she is. Yeah. Uh, and they had it initially. It was extended where you could see actually Luke and Vader fighting in the distance. That'd be wild. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Yes. Um. So it was mentioned on, and I apologize for not remembering the name of the podcast, but. Uh, it's a specific force ability that Quinlan Voss has, mm -hmm. and Quinlan Voss is, uh, he was in the book Dark Disciple, uh, he was in the Clone Wars TV show, uh, he has a very small appearance in The Phantom Menace. He's a Jedi where he has the ability of, he can touch an object, and he can see its past. Cool. And so it was theorized recently Maybe that Ray has that too. Ray probably just has that, and that's a really just simple explanation for that force vision. Yeah, that'd be cool. And it's something that I'm shocked I've never heard that theory or notion floated out because it's... It's elegant. It's simple. Well, it's clean because it's already... It's out there. Yep. And it's canon already. Right. Not, not just like a Star Wars concept like what Ryan Johnson took from Legends and used for Luke Skywalker. It's straight up canon already. And you could never explain this and it's already still explaining canon already. So true. And that I'd be shocked if they didn't explain it in some capacity in Episode Nine. I think there's a chance you could get another force vision in episode nine yeah um i think that'd be really cool totally uh but 
But then, like, I, are there going to be a bunch of remaining questions at the end of episode nine? That's the thing about this movie. Is no, it would need to be a, a resolving one. Yeah, like, the next one would be giving us a lot of perspective as to solving what the first one was. If we can have two of these, we're going to understand them a lot more for sure. Um, final really thing is uh, Galaxy of Adventures. This is kind of cool. Uh, and this is something where it's not for everybody. Little at kid all. vignettes that, that yeah. we're talking about, yeah. And so, Galaxy Galaxy of Adventure. It's colorful animated shorts of the saga's most iconic moments, designed to allow parents to introduce their children to the larger world of Star Wars. Right. So it takes moments that already exist. So they use all original audio. Oh, I didn't know so that. So the voices, the sound effects, the music—it's all from the movies. Okay. And so, like Han Solo is voiced by Harrison Ford. Cool. And, like, it has all these key moments. So it's Luke fighting Vader. It's, like, the Battle of Yavin. Like, it, it's stuff that we already know. But you can introduce your three-year-old to this. And in a way that stimulates them. Exactly. In a way that really can get them interested and not just, like, oh, I showed my kid Star Wars and he liked it. But in a way where potentially your kid could get passionate about this and be like, oh, I want to see it. And when they're old enough, have more reason to want to watch the full movie. Well, I would a kid's take- attention span is a lot different. Look, it's so funny you bring this up now because just this weekend, I was rummaging through our parents' basement and I found these old cassette tape decks that like we used to put in the car mm-hmm. when we would drive on long drives with our, our family. And they're just like audiobook versions of the original Star Wars trilogy, um, but like storybooks, like turn the page and turn the tape over, kind of like little kids. Yeah, the original audiobooks. trilogy was an hour. Yeah, they were 16 minutes a movie. And I listened to one of them. And it's so interesting because it uses all the same dialogue from from the movies we know. It's been revoiced probably just for like proprietary reasons. Um, But the narration is dumbed down for a child. And I do believe listening to those tapes over and over and over again is part of why I love Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. It's part of why we love Star Wars because it was great. We could listen to, like, that was the perfect drive to the cottage. We could right. listen to the entire Star Wars uh, original trilogy yes. in 45 minutes. Yes, and it was made for people our age. Yeah, and it was very fitting, and it allowed us to enjoy those movies better because we stayed apprised on them. We understood Empire Strikes Back if we watched Empire Strikes Back three times but listened to those books 30 times yeah i mean it's like we watched empire strikes back 10 times pretty know it in, yeah we know it inside out yeah i mean exactly we fill in the gaps and <laughs> um okay i want to give a happy birthday to riz ahmed whose birthday is this ah, nice. friday december 1st riz from uh from rogue one any chance he's going to show up in uh diego luna's show no that would be a really bad decision yeah unless it was just subtly in passing because he he is, he's a stranger. He's he's just he's a lackey for the right. He also uh, doesn't need to be in the no, show. But he, he's an he's an imperial. Yes, true. So he just does a boring job for the empire. There would be very weird circumstances for them to run into each other, and no conflict could happen. He, he's a movie star. He doesn't need it anyway. Oh no no no! That he just he he was in Star Wars, and no one can take that away from him. Exactly. So we done? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so uh, is this the the fourth, the fifth, the fourth uh, installment? This twenty. This is the fifth this installment. This is the fifth of seven. Okay, we're doing an extra one for this season. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you want to be caught up to us by next week, watch roughly the first two hours of Attack of the Clones. I don't know why you wouldn't finish it at that point, but. Uh, um, <laughs> If you have any uh, feedback on this week's episode, uh, you can email us, recorder66podcast uh, at gmail.com. You can tweet us at recorder66 um, and uh, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, is that all I usually say? I think that's mostly what you say at the end. I think that's the full spiel. And now that I've given it, 
May the Force be with you.